Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Tuesday evening and afternoon. I'm still overseas, uh, headed back to uh, Las Vegas on Wednesday. So because of that and some some, uh, challenges with the time change, we will not be discussing the um, in-season tournament quarterfinals. I know, how are you ever going to get anybody to tell you about anything that happened there? Uh, But I am getting, instead of something that everybody knows about, some stuff here that a lot of people don't know about, which is the upcoming NBA draft class with the leader in the entire field. And that's our Jonathan Gavoni draft express uh, legend, Jonathan Gavoni joining us from New York city. What's up, Jonathan? I'm great, Brian. How are you? I'm really good. Um, looking forward to the in-season tournament, looking forward to our live show, which is on Friday night at, uh, uh, seven o'clock. Um, you can uh, still get tickets at windy at bitly dot com slash windy hoop Vegas. Uh, but Jonathan, I guess we're going to have some entertainment, um, you know, competition because you reported a story that came out on Tuesday uh, about the NBA setting up um, uh, basically a scouting opportunity and uh, an ESPN two game on Friday night at eight o'clock that will involve. Uh, potential 2025 number one overall pick Cooper flag. Um, what do you know about this and what should we be, you know, getting a great chance to see Cooper flag? What should we be looking for? Yeah. So the NBA has gotten increasingly aggressive here with, you know, youth basketball market. We saw last year, they televised every game that Victor Wenbanyama played on the NBA app. They streamed it. Then they did the Nike EYBL. Um, they've done several other youth events and uh, they're partnering here with with Nike to, um, you know, to create this really cool event. Uh, it's six high school teams coming to Las Vegas. They're going to be at the games, the in-season tournament. They're going to have all these life skill sessions, um, coaching sessions. And it's one of a, a handful of events that the NBA has certified for scouts to attend because the NBA can pick and choose what they want to certify. And why not certify an event which they are obviously partners in with Nike? Right. So it's going to be a right. great event for these players and also for fans to you know, to be able to watch Montverde Academy playing against Link Academy. You know, arguably two of the top high school teams in high school basketball playing, you know, at T-Mobile Arena on the night in between the in-season tournament. Uh, I mean, it's an incredible showcase for Cooper Flagg. I mean, he's obviously the focal point for a lot of people. Trey Johnson going to Texas, top five recruit. I think it's going to be a really good game. I mean, these are two really well-coached teams. They both get after it defensively. This is the pinnacle of high school basketball. And so I think it's going to be really interesting. And it's going to be really fun to see, you know, how the NBA continues to dip their water into this youth market. You know, they want to go direct to consumer with the NBA app. They want you, you know, they want to cut out the middleman, which is us in some ways. And they and they want people watching these games on their phones and they want them looking at highlights. And so um, it's really interesting, you know, the, the business aspect of this too. So what is what has everybody excited about Cooper Flagg? Why is he being regarded as, before we talk about this upcoming class, why is he being regarded as sort of the next great prospect? Well, he is, first and foremost, he's an incredible defensive prospect, which is not what you usually say about a 16-year-old phenom who people think is the number one prospect in high school basketball. But he's six foot nine. Um, you know, he plays. I went to watch him practice twice a couple of weeks ago outside of Orlando at Montverde Academy. 
He basically plays point guard on offense and center on defense. He's an incredible shot blocker. He's got, he has tr- tremendous instincts defensively, you know, getting in passing lanes, guarding point guards, switching, rotating, helping. His instincts are phenomenal. And he's become an increasingly potent offensive player, too. His jump shot has made major strides here. He's like he's a very good passer. Um, you know, he's outstanding in transition. He's very aggressive in the open court. And, um, you know, his his ball handling, I mean, that's really the next step in his evolution. And that's what he's working on at Montverde. That's what they want to see him work um, improve on is becoming more of a shot creator. Um, you know, he's kind of studying guys like like Jason Tatum, you know, like that's the, the mode of player that he wants to become. But also being, you know, like a defensive player of the year type candidate in which, you know, he reclassified. He was in the 2025 high school class. He was a high school junior who is going to graduate early and enroll at Duke this upcoming summer. So, you know, he'll he'll be the youngest player in next year's draft. He'll have just barely turned, um, you know, he'll turn 19, you know, in December of his NBA rookie year, making yeah, him incredibly yeah. young. He just made the cutoff by 12 days. And so he's this really exciting prospect that, you know, plays with a great motor, is a great teammate, he's incredibly productive, but he's got some room to improve on his all-around offensive game to reach that, you know, potential and become, you know, the star that we all want to see him become. Do you think he's the type of prospect that, you know, obviously last year teams aggressively put themselves in position to try to get Victor Wembanyama? Is this the same, is this the type of prospect your teams would take tank for, or maybe do we not know yet? I think we don't know yet. I mean, we're, he's very exciting. Um, You know, he's, he's probably one of the best American prospects we've seen in some time, but I want to see how he, how he, you know, how he transitions to the college level, how he plays at Duke. It's not easy being a 17 year old playing at that level with that kind of spotlight on you every single night when you're not really known as like a ball handler, a shot creator, a go-to guy. And so, you know, how much is he able to improve on that part of his game the next year or so? I think he's going to make it because he has, you know, those intangibles that you look for just in terms of his feel for the game, his intensity, his instincts defensively, the way he makes other guys better. Um, But uh, I don't think he's on the level of a Victor Wimbanyama, for example. So, okay, let's uh, focus on the draft class that we're watching now. College season is unfolding. G League Ignite season is unfolding. Europe Europe, uh, uh, leagues are unfolding. Um, you have said in the past that, especially in the wake of the 2023 draft class, the 2024 class is not at this point regarded as, well, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. What is the 2024 class looking like? It's a very uncertain group. It's, um, you know, there's very mixed opinions on players. Um, I think we're all, we all kind of went to this year hoping that some new guys would emerge because it was considered one of the weaker high school senior classes that is now college freshmen. Um, You know, what's made up for that to an extent is it looks like there's some really good players coming from Europe. Um, There are three guys in our top 10 right now, um, you know, who play overseas. Um, That's not you know, that's that's a little bit unique. I think there's uh, nine players in our first round right now who are born outside of the U.S. You know, that's that's a high number. But the college group, you know, like who wants to be the number one pick? We have a lot of work to do to figure that out. Uh, you hear a lot of mixed opinions about this group. There's teams that have already traded their first round picks and you see them on the road and they're like, thank God we got rid rid of that thing. <laughs> you know, like we just don't want to be yeah. saddled with a eight, nine, ten million dollar contract. It's a four year guaranteed deal. I sorry, it's two years and plus two. And you just, you know, it's um 
I, we hope that, you know, guys emerge over the season because right now we just haven't seen it yet. So you and Jeremy Wu, our draft uh, analysts at ESPN, recently just came out with a fresh uh, mock draft. And you have um, a new name at the top, Isaiah Collier from USC. What made you put him in there and what is the outlook for him? What are we looking at? You know, there's going to be a lot of USC on television coming up with Bronny James, hopefully soon being cleared to uh, participate in games. But the Isaiah Collier is really the prize prospect there. So what about Isaiah has you um, putting him number one? Well, it's the size. He's listed at six foot five, 210 pounds. That's a big dude for a point guard. And he plays a bully ball style. He's an outstanding ball handler. He gets to different spots on the floor, playing at different speeds, can really, really pass the ball off a live dribble, pocket passes, skips, lobs, passes ahead in transition. They put him in the post some, and he, you know, when the double team comes, he finds the open man. You know, the, the, that star power, you know, that the, the ability to get his own shot and also create for others is getting people excited, you know. And then um, his shot was considered a bit of a weakness coming to the year, but he's shooting 40 percent for three. You know, it's only eight games into the season. So we'll see. Um, but, um, you know, there is definitely some things to like there. You know, I think if a team is going to take a plunge on a guy at number one, you do it on a guy who can who can, you know, handle the ball, who can make other guys better. You know, the guys that we have behind him. The Alex Sars, the Zachary Rizache, Jacoby Walter, Ron Holland. These are role players in all likelihood. These are, you know, guys who are known for their defense, um, who are, you know, can make spot up jumpers, who can, you know, make other guys better with their pass a little bit, but they're not go to guys. They're not a player that you, you know, you give the ball to and you say, go get me a shot. And I say a Collier, if he makes it in the NBA, if he reaches his potential, it's just a guy that can really go out and get his own shot and, and make other guys better and score. And that's that's the thing that a lot of teams are going to be looking for, especially from a guy who's six foot four, six foot five, who can play with another guard. That's very attractive at the same time. And that's kind of what defines a draft, uh, right? Is that there's always there's going to be players in every draft that end up being long pros. There's going to be all stars in every draft. There's going to be you know guys who can help teams, you know, short end, medium term. But it's how many stars are in the draft. And I think maybe what you're describing here is, you know, your top five. You're not seeing, at least right now, you have the right to change your mind between now and, and June, that you're not seeing a lot of potential star players. And so I just know that, you know, having read your rankings for years, that's a, a big way you put rankings together. What's an, uh, what's the player's upside? And that seems to be where you're an issue. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. I do want to bring up Zachary Rizache more selfishly because you and I got to see him play in France last year against Bilal Koulibaly. They played a game that you and I were at and Koulibaly dominated that game. I think he had 25, 26 points. Riza Shea, who was sort of young and slight, but has great height. He extremely impressed me with his passing. He got knocked around a little bit because uh, he was playing against, you know, bigger guys, but um, you put in, in your, in your most recent uh, uh, mock here that he has a potential because he's playing well enough in France. He has the potential to eventually be number one on your mock. So I thought we'd maybe familiarize people a little bit with a guy who might end up near the top there. Yeah. Six foot 10, uh, you know, shooting 46% for three this year on a high volume. <laughs> like Victor Wimbanyama, he decided to leave Asvel moved to a different team in France where he's really blossoming this year. He's playing in the Euro Cup. He's playing for JL Bourg, which is one of the better teams in the French League. And he's their best defender and he's their best shooter. And he's, you know, he's not 
a ball handler. He's not really a creator, but um, he's just a great role player for them who at six foot 10 really stretches the floor. He knows how to play. He can guard point guards, shooting guards, small forwards. Um, you know, he's 18 years old. He's, uh, you know, he's one of the younger prospects in this draft. He's very efficient. And, um, you know, this is, you know, if NBA teams, if they're looking for guys like this, you know, like his Ricochet, he's going to fill out. He's going to have a really nice body when it's all said and done. You could easily see him playing two, three, even some four at his size eventually as his frame fills out. And that's the kind of guy that everybody wants, you know, somebody who can really make shots, um, who knows how to play, who can defend multiple positions and doesn't make mistakes. You know, it's not the sexiest prospect in this draft, but when you're in a class like this, I think a player like this is going to be very attractive to NBA teams. So one of the big moves that you made, and obviously it's still early in the rankings, is uh, you put Ron Holland, who was previously number one, who's playing for the G League Ignite. The G League Ignite, I think, have three players, at least, that are potential lottery picks. And they're off to a terrible start as a team. I believe they're one and eight playing in the G League. Now, they are obviously a young team. You don't expect them to win the G League. Um, and their prospects are not playing well. And um, they were, it is reflected in your most recent mock here is that Ron Holland has gone from your number one potential in the mock to number five. Um, I wonder if you could tell us about these Ignite guys, particularly Holland, and what's been going on and what teams are seeing as they've been watching the Ignite play. Yeah, what's really hurting G League Ignite is the level of competition in the G League as a whole has gotten so much stronger here the last few years, especially this third two-way contract, which is really like a G League contract for for all 30 teams that's put a lot of money into the league you know like exhibit tens on top of that um you know nba teams there used to be this stigma attached with you know assigning you know one of your players to the g league that's gone i mean half of the first round has already seen time in the g league some of them extensively some of them lottery picks who are really night in and night out they're playing in the g league so g league ignite you know ron holland is one of the youngest players in this draft he's he's 18 he doesn't turn 19 until june right before the draft and they are going up against guys who are you know real nba players and the guys who aren't on the two ways or on assignment, they're all conference players. These are 24, 25 year old guys. The, G, the money in the G League is, is solid now. You're making $110,000, $120,000 when it's all said and done. This has killed European basketball in a lot of ways, how competitive the G League has gotten. But it's really made life very difficult for Ignite because every mistake that these guys make, uh, you know, not getting back on defense, not boxing out, not rotating, you know, they're being punished with a layup, you know, an open three, uh, you know, it's just like it's been this, uh, their defense is ranked last by a mile in the G League. And they, mm. to their credit, they just got their first one in the season. They took a little bit of a new strategy. I watched the game yesterday, you know, really slowing the game down, you know, not playing this crazy run and gun style like we saw in the past and Ron Holland, um, the last three games, has had his three best games of the season. Um, he scored um, you know, 22 points. I have it here. He had 24 points, 32 points, 21 points his last three games. So he's starting to make the adjustment to the G League. He's still not shooting the ball well. He's shooting 20% for three. He's shooting 58% from the free throw line. He has twice as many turnovers as assists. But he's starting to make that adjustment now to the G League, which is what NBA teams want to see. And I think, you know, this year's our mock draft is going to be a roller coaster ride. You know, there's guys are going to move up and down because there's not a lot of separation between guys. 
And so Ron Holland has every ability to get back into consideration for the number one pick. And same for Matas Buzelis, who is his teammate, who missed you know, almost three months. Part of the reason that G League United has been so um, so bad this year is they've had so many injuries. And so they just got Buzelis back, who's ranked seventh on our draft board. Um, and they're they're about to, you know, the Eric Micah, their starting center, has been out for the whole year. That's been difficult for them. So I think they're going to stabilize, you know, as the year moves on. They've got, you know, a good coaching staff. They have some, you know, they're ad- adding some veterans now. They added Norris Cole, you know, he's 35 years old. We'll see what he can bring them. But that makes um, me feel old, Norris Cole being 35. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think it's early in the season. It's nine games. They play almost 50 games on the year. So long way to go for G League Ignite. Not a great start, but starting to rebound here lately. So one of the European players we talked about rising, potentially being interesting in this draft, is Nikola Topic, who um, is a um, 6'7 point guard. You mentioned to me before we started here, that this is a guy that's starting to capture the attention of uh, of scouts. What can you tell us about Topic? Uh, I believe he plays for Mega, um, yes. which has a long history of producing, you know, top level Eastern European players. But um, I don't know anything about him. Um, so tell me why he is getting some attention. So he was MVP of the under 18 European Championship. I traveled out to that tournament in in Niš, Serbia. It was, you know, on their basically their home floor. And he is on loan from Red Star, which is a, a powerhouse in, in, in that region and also a EuroLeague team, was on loan to Mega. They basically handed him the keys to the team and said, Nicola, you're our guy. And he's responded basically by being one of the best players in the league. He's averaging 19 points a game, seven assists. He's scoring with incredible efficiency, 66% for two, which is unheard of for a guy who is 18 years old. He doesn't turn 19 until the middle of August. So he's basically the youngest prospect in this draft. And his feel for the game at six foot seven, the ability to make reads out of pick and roll, you know, pocket passes, skips, lobs, pushing ahead. Um, you know, every he reacts to the defensive throw everything at him, you know, like they're hard showing, they're trapping him, they're switching, they're dropping, they're trying everything to get the ball out of his hands and to make things difficult. And he just has such a great pace to his game. He, um, you know, he lets things come to him and he's getting to the rim. He's playing this bully ball style, which you don't really see yours usually from an 18 year old. He's making over a three per game. He's shooting 84% from the free throw line. Um, you know, and, and they're winning games, you know, like they beat Partizan, which is a EuroLeague team, uh, you know, and again, a powerhouse in this region, beat them on their home floor. Um, you know, they're highly competitive in every game. So this is not like a, a, a development situation where, you know, they're just letting him rack up stats and, you know, he's cherry picking whatever he's playing. You know, he's just getting numbers in an inefficient manner. He's doing it, you know, it, it, with real efficiency against real teams, winning games. And, you know, you talk to NBA teams and they're saying, well, and so we've put his numbers into our analytic models. This guy is lighting up like a Christmas tree, you know, just because of his age and his size and the way that he fills up the stat sheet. Um, you know, they're they're saying, hey, you know, could he be some kind of a poor man's version of a Luka Doncic? You know, like he plays a similar style. He's not. 
you know, the level of shooter that Luca is, and he's not quite as big, you know, Luca is six foot eight, but I mean, there are some similarities there, you know, and so he's getting people pretty excited. And if he can keep this going for the rest of the year, you know, he could be a guy that enters that conversation as a number one pick in the draft. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's been interesting to see, you know, his rise. This is a guy that, you know, his dad was a great player in uh, in Yugoslavia. He was a Serbian national team player, but he wasn't earmarked as you know like one of the best prospects in his in 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 Europe from an early age. He and he got injured at the under sixteen European Championship, so it's been kind of a steady rise for him as of late, and it's just been really exciting to see the year that he's having. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. One of the things that's going to be really hard for you is that the way this could go is really depends on how the lottery shakes out and who could pick where. Like based on what you're saying, it really could matter. Teams could draft a little bit more for need, especially if there's a bunch of those types of role players at the top. So if a team gets up there who is more in the position where they can gamble, you know, that's might be interesting. I'll talk I about think this is going to be a year, yeah. Brian, where like we're not going to know who the number one pick is until it actually comes out of Adam Silver's. Wow. Name. You know, wow. like that's that's because there's going to be a lot of movement, I think, you know, like because this is not a typical class. And then, you know, if what we're hearing about, you know, the, the two day draft coming to fruition, it's going to be a lot of moves being made on draft night. It's going to be exciting. So, you know, is it great for our mock draft? No. But like, who cares? Honestly, you know, like that's it, it's right. fun. This drama, the unpredictability, not knowing what's going to happen. I, I love that. You know, like Victor was a it was a special year last year. We we had so much fun covering it together, traveling out to Paris, yes. spending a week together with him and his family. But I kind of like this drama where, you know, the horse race of, you know, well, this guy moves ahead, that guy falls back. It's going to happen all year. And, it, you know, puts a lot of pressure on scouts to really get out there and scour the globe and watch guys in Australia, G League Ignite, Europe, college basketball, mid-majors. Um, it's going to be a really fun year for us. Yeah, you mentioned Alex Saar, who you've got number two right now. He's in the Australian League. So that gives you an example. Um a lot of the guys we've talked about are, you know, we're talking about a guy playing in Serbia, a guy playing in France, and a guy playing in Australia, all that you're, you know, are in the mix high up there. Um, and we'll talk about two Kentucky guards, one of them who is rising in your rankings, one of them who is falling. DJ Wagner has been a guy who's been kind of in the, um, the bloodstream and the consciousness for a while. Uh, Dewan Wagner's son, Milt Wagner's grandson, talk about again. Making me feel old. I covered Dewan Wagner when he was a rookie for the Cavs, and now his uh, son is um, is you know draft could be draft eligible. You've dropped uh, DJ Wagner down, whereas you've boosted um, Rob Dillingham from Kentucky. He's moved um, from outside the first round in your last mock all the way in towards stiff in the lottery. So you've seen some interesting moves from these Kentucky guards. What about those two guys? Yeah, so DJ Wagner. You know, was earmarked early on in his high school career, you know, really as a freshman or as a sophomore, as a number one player in his class. And a part of it was a projection where you were hoping to see some, you know, physical development, that he would grow, his body would evolve, he'd become a little bit more explosive of an athlete, which didn't really happen. He's pretty much been the same size now for about the last two years now. Um, and he's, you know, has this huge spotlight on him at Kentucky as a starting point guard, um, Kentucky has not, you know, made it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament in, in five years. So that's a lot of pressure on John Calipari and on DJ Wagner. And they've got this really interesting class where they have 
three McDonald's All-Americans. All of them are point guards, essentially. All of them are guards. DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, and Reed Shepard, who has, you know, really been their best freshman so far. He was the guy that was kind of an afterthought. Even though he was a McDonald's All-American, he was ranked, you know, like 23rd or 24th in the class. And he's really been the revelation, along with Dillingham coming off the bench, giving them just a great, you know, scoring punch. Um, you know, Shepard with his defense, Dillingham with his speed and his passing ability and his finishing. Uh, Shepard and Dillingham are both shooting the ball exceptionally well. Wagner has kind of struggled with the shot early on in the year. He's shooting 25% for three. He's been a little bit, um, you know, uh, predictable in terms of like getting to his left hand, just, you know, defensive scouted that he's not the biggest or strongest or most explosive guy. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's only 18 years old. He turns 19 in May. So he's, he's young, you know, for this group. Um, he suffered an, an ankle injury against Miami. So honestly, like we haven't seen enough, you know, like I think we're going to see, like I said, this horse race where like guys are going to move up, guys are going to move down because there's not a lot of separation between them. So, um, you know, Wagner had a very difficult game in the Champions Classic against Kansas. He shot one of 12 from the field. He rebounded a little bit against some weaker competition. He had a very good game against Marshall with 28 points. And then he got hurt against Miami, um, you know, so didn't play in Kentucky's loss to UNC Wilmington, a very uh, surprising loss. So um, Kentucky goes to Penn this upcoming weekend. They play in Philadelphia, very close to where DJ Wagner grew up um, in, you know, Camden and New Jersey. So. Um, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting how you rebound from this. I would not write him off by any stretch. I think that, um, like I said, there's going to be a lot of movement as the year moves on, um, you know, dealing him. Um, you know, there's some questions about him, too. You know, like when you're six foot one and a half in today's NBA, you have a six foot two wingspan, 176 pounds. That's that's tough. It's, you know, there last year. There wasn't a single player under six foot three who was drafted, period. The year before wow. that. Um, there was only one. It was Kennedy Chandler, who's already out of the league. So being a little guy in today's, you know, six foot two, I mean, it's, uh, that's not that little, but by it's basketball much standards, than it is, you. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's hard. So that's where the, you know, there's a kind of a, not a lot of margin for error with a guy like Dillingham, but the fact that he has so much speed, he has a great handle. He, you know, he sees the floor. He can really pass out a pick and roll. He's playing with a great pace. He's making shots in a way that, you know, we never saw him make, you know, an EYBL play in high school. So that's exciting, you know, and um, you know, how much can he improve defensively as the year moves on? How is his role going to fluctuate, you know, like with, um, you know, this three, these three guards all vying for, you know, for minutes. And, you know, it's going to be, it's an interesting situation for Cal Perry to manage at, at Kentucky, but uh, they're playing a really exciting brand of basketball. They're getting, I mean, it's like nothing we've ever seen from Kentucky before. They're shooting a ton of threes They're playing up and down. It's a really entertaining style to watch. And, um, you know, Dillingham and Shepard, they really, you know, have fit into that style. And so we're going to see a lot of movement as the year goes on from all three of them. But Kentucky is, is, it's, it's really, they're very interesting to watch this year. I mean, you know, it's college basketball is not for NBA fans. It's, it's like watching paint dry at times, but uh, Kentucky plays much more of an NBA style than most college teams do these days. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, diehard college fans can't stand the NBA and diehard NBA fans can't stand college basketball other than the NCAA tournament. And they both are like stick to their guns on that, you know, before we go and thank you for giving us so much insight. It's invaluable. It's so educational for me um, and all your readers and, <clears throat> and, and listeners. 
you did mention a few minutes ago about the two-day draft that is under discussion. And it, from my understanding, it's going to happen. It, it, working out the details is what's going to happen. But there's going to be a two-day draft. The first round, I guess, on Thursday night and the second round on Friday night. I don't know exactly. Do you think that materially is going to change things? Basically, you know, first round picks are five minutes apart. Second round picks are two minutes apart. It makes the second round a rat race. This is going to stretch it out, potentially make the broadcast able to feature the first rounders a little bit more and um, make the second round maybe a little bit more interesting. It's a, you know, Jonathan, you're always working the draft floor. I've never actually done that, but like it takes days, days to figure out what happened in the second round? It's so crazy. Um, do you th- do you think this has a, any significant change to the, how the drafts will operate other than just being over two nights? I do, yeah. I think that it's going to lead to a lot more movement. Like a guy like Woj is going to be very busy. And yourself too. I mean, like breaking news, trades, you know, just... I think that's what teams really want to accomplish here is like, how do they position themselves for free agency? Um, you know, the week later, uh, you know, packaging dra- uh, draft picks with contracts and, you know, trying to move up or down, you know, with only five minutes between picks, you know, it really, it's very heavily dependent for team on like who is actually there on the board. And once a player is there, the guy that they want, then they're, they pounce and they want to make their move. And five minutes is just not long enough to really get it to negotiate a trade. You know, there is, especially if you're talking about like multi-team trades or all that. So like, I do think it will cause for a lot more activity also in the second round. And I just think it'll be better for fans, you know, like, and for the t- and the players too, just to get a, a little bit more breathing room between picks and be able to learn more about these guys, um, you know, get into some more film, get into their background, learn more about, you know, what makes them tick. Just take a page out of the NFL. I mean, I think, you know, th- we do it so well with the NFL every year and it's such a production and it's, um, it's such a show, honestly, you know, and so I don't see why we wouldn't do the same thing in basketball. Well, that's going to be interesting. It's going to mean even less sleep for you come <laughs> middle of the season. Thank you very much. Absolutely check out Jonathan Gavoni and Jeremy Wu's latest mock draft. They'll teach you who to watch for in, in, in when you're watching college basketball. Also, you know, you start to educate yourself on the European players because <laughs> European players are right now the best players in the NBA at the top of the league. So good idea to keep an eye on uh, those guys. So, okay, Jonathan, thank you so much. You've got to get over to the garden, I think, tonight for the Jimmy V Classic. I have no idea who's even playing in those games. So, It'll be a great game. Um, UConn, UNC, Florida Atlantic, Illinois, two two very high-quality high games. All right. Well, thank you for giving us some time tonight. Thank you to Jackson for uh, producing. And uh, look, again, we'll be on Friday night uh, here the 8th. We'll be uh, doing our live podcast. So there will not be a pod on on Friday morning as usual. We'll have it on Saturday morning uh, after the semifinals. So thank you so much for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. We'll talk to you soon.